0: Will you turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14? Luke, chapter 14. Our scene this morning is Jesus in the home of a Pharisee on the Sabbath day, and he's been invited there for a meal. Verse 1 of Luke 14 says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, we come before you today, having read your word, and now we desire to know what it is teaching us. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to understand. May our hearts be open to receive. Father, may your spirit teach us and illumine our understanding today. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Have you ever had the feeling that you're being watched. I have that feeling right now by about 60 or 70 of you. But you know what I'm talking about. There's that feeling that someone is watching you and maybe you're at a restaurant or something and you peek over and it's like every time you peek over there, they're looking at you. Well, think about if you were Jesus and you were all the time constantly being watched not out of curiosity, not out of amazement, not out of wonder, but you're constantly being watched so they could find something to hang you with. So they could find something to to accuse you with, to condemn you and to get rid of you. That's what Jesus is facing constantly now in his ministry. We've seen over the last couple of chapters in Luke, Several engagements, encounters, if you will, with the Pharisees. And those those have become more and more tense. Because the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're rejecting Jesus. They're not welcoming him as their Messiah. They're not welcoming his teaching, his words. And so there's this conflict brewing between Jesus and the religious leadership. And in this particular instance, in Luke chapter 14, something just doesn't smell right from the very beginning. It seems like a setup the whole way. He's in the home of a prominent Pharisee on the Sabbath day. And it says he was being carefully watched. The way the language is here in verses 1 and 2, it's almost as if this was planned and plotted as a setup to put Jesus in a position where he would do something wrong so they could accuse him. Just in the last chapter, in chapter 13, we saw Jesus heal someone on the Sabbath day, and it created a conflict. The the leader of the synagogue was appalled. He was angry that Jesus would dare work on the Sabbath day and heal someone. Well, it seems like now this is an opportunity where the Pharisees have invited Jesus to this prominent Pharisee's house. There would be a lot of other Pharisees and religious leaders there, it would be a very public setting on this Sabbath day meal in the home of a Pharisee. Many, many guests, there many prominent people. And it's almost like they want to get a bunch of witnesses there and create the opportunity for Jesus to do something wrong so they can accuse him. And it says, so he's being carefully watched on this Sabbath day. And there in front of him in verse two, was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. The King James uses the the word, the dropsy. Uh, Probably a way of understanding this medical condition is that uh, his body, different parts of his body, cavities in his body would fill with fluid and they would swell. It's not a disease in and of itself, but really is a symptom of much uh, more serious issues going on within his body. So this is a very, very sick man with very serious medical issues going on. And I want you to see what the Pharisees are doing. The Pharisees are using this man as a pawn in their plot to trap Jesus. Because the language and can't quite see it in the NIV, but the King James has it. And behold, there was a man there with the dropsy. It's almost kind of an ironic, well, what do you know? Look at that. There just happens to be here a man who is sick on the Sabbath day in the house of a Pharisee. It almost seems like a setup, like he's been planted there. And so they brought this man in, not because they cared about him, not because they wanted him to be healed, but because they're using him as a pawn in their plot to trap Jesus, to get him to do something wrong, what they believe is wrong on the Sabbath day. The whole thing is upside down from the beginning. It's, it's, a, it's a seditious plot. It almost reminds me of Daniel in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, when Daniel had been exalted to a position of prominence in the land of uh, Persia, Media, Persia, and all of his companions, his associates, were looking for a way to set him up because they didn't like the fact that he had been promoted over them. And so they were looking for a way to to trap him, to set him up. They couldn't find anything in the way that he honored and obeyed the king. So they had to invent something. You remember, they invented this law and had the king sign it where nobody could pray to anybody for a month except to the king. Well, they knew Daniel would... Go ahead and pray to his God anyway. They were they were setting him up from the beginning. They were watching him, looking for a way to entrap him. That, that's what this is. That's what's going on here with Jesus. They've set this whole thing up, and they supply this man who needs healing on the Sabbath day. And Jesus knows exactly what's going on in their hearts. He sees through the whole scheme. And so, in verse three, he asks them. He kind of gets ahead of where he knows they're going in their minds, he gets ahead of it. And he says to them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? So even before he heals the man, he knows there's going to be a controversy here. He knows they're going to get upset with him. They've planted this man there because they know he's going to heal him. And so he point blank asks them, puts them on the spot. What's right? What's good What is lawful to do on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful to do good? To help someone? Someone who is in need on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful to heal? But notice in verse 4, it says they remained silent. Why? Because they had no answer. Jesus had them on the horns of a dilemma. Whatever they answered, they were going to look bad. And so they said nothing. So Jesus ignores them, ignores their silence and just goes on ahead and he heals the man. He takes hold of him. He heals the man and he sent him on his way. And so this was a setup from the beginning. But Jesus is going to turn it into an opportunity to confront the Pharisees about their self-righteousness, about their pride. He's going to turn it into an opportunity to repent and believe, even though they meant it as a setup to trap him and so he asked them in verse 5 if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the sabbath day will you not immediately pull it out and they had nothing to say again what does jesus do here he actually uses their little laws and regulations their their little fine print that they had invented Jesus uses it against them because they had provisions in their rule code that said you can help your animal on the Sabbath day. If he gets stuck in a ditch, if he falls in a well, you can get him out. That's a good deed. And so Jesus basically puts them in. He turns the trap back on them, doesn't he? That's kind of what Proverbs says. If you set a trap, you're going to fall into the hole yourself they set a trap. Jesus turned it around on them and he uses their own rules and regulations against them. And they had nothing to say. And I think in verse number five and six, Jesus is starting to peel back the layers of what's really going on with the Pharisees. And what's really going on with the Pharisees is their own selfishness and their pride. That's really the heart of this whole passage. Their selfishness and their pride. Their selfishness is on display because Jesus shows their hypocrisy that they would take care of their animal on the Sabbath day, but they don't care about this man who is sick on the Sabbath day. What does that reveal? Well, why would they care for their ox that fell into a ditch on the Sabbath day? Well, it's because that ox is valuable, isn't it? That ox is valuable and it it, it helps produce uh, in a crop for them. That, that ox is valuable for its work and what it can do for them. And so it's a possession that also brings value. And so what are they going to do? They're going to fix it. They're going to do what needs to be done on the Sabbath day because that benefits them. But they don't care about this man. They don't care about this man, just like... We saw a couple weeks ago with the synagogue leader, uh, with the woman who was bent over, doubled over. He didn't care about her either. All he cared about was his rules and regulations. All they care about is what their property, what benefits them, what helps them. And Jesus reveals that selfishness, really greed and covetousness, materialism, that they would care more about their own animal, their prophet, than another human being made in the image of God. But he also reveals their pride. Because in verse 7, he draws attention to the way that they came in and sat down. So they were watching him, but he was also watching them. Because verse 7, it says, When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them a parable. So he watched the Pharisees come in. And this is a prominent Pharisee. So a leader in the 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 sect or the group of the Pharisees, he's, he's one of the, the top leaders, influential people. So when other Pharisees come in, they're going to want to get near him. They're going to sit by him. They're going to want to be in the places of honor. And what would happen in the ancient world at a uh, a, a hospitality event like this, someone in, in the home, they would have a table kind of shaped like a U. And the host would sit at the base of the U, the head of the table, and then it would extend outward from there. And so if you were important, then you got to sit nearest the host. So you would sit on his right hand or his left hand, and then kind of a pecking order going out all the way to the end. Uh, the ends of the table. And so Jesus noticed how they would come in and seat themselves. They, They wanted the places of honor. They wanted to get nearest the host that they could. And Jesus saw that pride in them. And so he tells them this parable, verse eight, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's really similar to what we read earlier in the service from the book of Proverbs in Proverbs 25, six and seven, the wisdom of Proverbs says, do not exalt yourself in the King's presence. Do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. And so Jesus says essentially the same thing with this parable in Luke 14. Now, is Jesus here basically teaching you how to manipulate yourself into a place of honor? You're missing the point. If that's what you come away with, Jesus is not saying here's how you manipulate the circumstances. So you get a place of honor. You on purpose choose the lowest seat, and then you'll be pulled up to the places of honor in front of everyone. And you'll be moved up and and honored in the place of everyone. Jesus is not saying that to to scheme or to plot or to manipulate to get honor for yourself. No, what he's doing here is he's teaching true humility. He's, He's advocating true humility that when you come in, don't assume that you deserve the highest place. Assume that you deserve the lowest place and go sit there. And if you're invited up, then fine. So be it. You're honored because those who uh, humble themselves, they're exalted. But those who exalt themselves and seek the highest places of honor, they're going to be abased. They're going to be humiliated because they're going to be told to move down when someone else more important comes in. Is this message just about humility versus pride in the realm of? of human affairs. Let me see if I can explain what I mean there. Jesus is giving wisdom here. He's giving wisdom. It's very, very similar to the proverbial wisdom that we saw in Proverbs 26. When it comes to the way that you see yourselves, yourself before others, humble yourself. Don't exalt yourself, but humble yourself. Seek a place of lowness and don't think of yourself better than other people. If we were to stop there, that would be a legitimate biblical Christian application. But I don't think that's the main thrust of what Jesus is teaching here, nor of what Luke wants us to get out of this passage. Because I think what Luke is getting at what Jesus is getting at in his teaching and his dealings with the Pharisees here is not just pride on a human level, but really it's self righteousness before God. That these Pharisees think that they deserve a higher place at the table, figuratively, spiritually speaking, the table of the kingdom of God. Remember, we've seen very recently in Luke 13, the imagery of the kingdom of God being referred to as a banquet table, as a feast table. And Jesus told the Pharisees in that passage in Luke 13, you think that you're going to have a place at that kingdom banquet table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Jesus says to them, no, you're actually going to be thrown out. You're going to be on the outside looking in and at the banquet table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God are actually going to be Gentiles. From the north, south, east and west, from all over the world. And you're going to be on the outside looking in. In other words, you thought you deserved a place of exaltation, but you're actually going to be humiliated. The outside looking in. The Pharisees thought that they deserved a place in the kingdom. Why did they think they deserved a place in the kingdom? Well, for several reasons. One, they could trace their lineage back to Abraham, right? So we're children of Abraham. Therefore, we're children of promise. We're children of the covenant. But on top of that, the Pharisees could point to their zeal with regard to learning the word of God and how they read and memorized, meditated on the word of God and knew it, many parts of it by heart. They, they exalted or they, they took pride in the fact that they obeyed the law and had a great zeal for obeying the law and even all their rules and regulations and the way that they interpreted the law. And so if anyone thought that they had a place at the table... In Jesus' day in Israel, it would have been Pharisees. We deserve to be there at Abraham's right side in the kingdom of God or sitting next to Jacob or Isaac in the kingdom of God. But Jesus is saying to them, so when he tells this parable, he's not just talking about hospitality in a home. He's talking about their standing before God. And because they saw themselves as worthy of sitting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the kingdom table, Jesus is basically teaching them precisely for that reason, you'll be out. And you can see it even in the way that they treat this man who needed healing. They were the top dog. They were the ones in the places of honor. This guy who needs healing, who cares about him? We just we don't even give him a seat at the table. We just brought him here as a pawn in our in our trap. Let alone talk about Gentiles. Gentiles, they're they're not even in the conversation about entrance into the kingdom of God. They're pagans. They're on the outside. They're excluded. They're going to get the judgment of God. And so, how shocking it was when Jesus said, No, you're going to be on the outside, and there's going to be people from north, south, east, and west at the kingdom table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Pharisees thought they were worthy. But Jesus is teaching them precisely because you think you're worthy, you're not worthy. Because what is acceptable in the sight of God is humility humbling ourselves before God so that he may lift us up. It's what Jesus taught at the end of a passage that we looked at in Luke 13, verse 30. He said, indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. And really the point of that is it's everything's upside down. Everything's upside down. You think you're going to be first. You think you're going to be in, but actually you're going to be on the outside. And those that you think are going to be on the outside and are the least worthy of being in the kingdom of God, they're actually going to be first. They're going to be invited in. So it's everything is upside down from the Pharisees perspective and they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. And so Jesus, I think, advances the lesson for them in verse 12, when he said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Again, we could read that advice, that counsel on two levels. We could read it as just simply on a human level, show kindness and compassion and invite people who are not worthy as guests to come and eat in your home. And certainly that's a valid Christian biblical application. But again, I think Jesus wants us to go deeper. He wants us to see this in relationship to ourselves and God. Because how does God invite sinners? Does God invite those who think they're righteous and wealthy? Those who think they deserve to be there? No. Who is invited into the kingdom of God? It's the spiritually blind, right? The spiritually crippled, the spiritually lame, spiritually deaf. Do you remember what Jesus says, I did not come to heal those who are well, but I came to heal the sick. The Pharisees thought they were well. Therefore they didn't need a physician. They thought they would be be invited into the kingdom of God because they thought they were worthy. But Jesus is turning the whole thing on its head and saying, no, the ones who are actually going to be invited to the kingdom of God are the spiritually blind, crippled, lame, poor. Those are the ones who are going to be invited in. Remember what Paul says in Corinthians? Not many wise are called. Not many nobles. Not many of the great people of this world are called. No, God has called the foolish things, the weak things of the world to confound the wise God's grace works opposite of merit God's grace works opposite of the way that we normally think we think someone does something therefore they deserve something and you can see that in verses 12 to 14 when Jesus is teaching this lesson he says don't invite people who have the capability of paying you back but invite people by grace who have no capability of paying you back. The blind, the crippled, the deaf, they have no capability of paying you back. They have no capability of reciprocating and inviting you back to their house someday. God does not save those who can pay him back. God does not save those who think they have the resources to pay him back. God does not invite those into his kingdom who think they're worthy to be there. God invites sinners, the lame, the crippled, the blind, the deaf. He invites them in because he knows they are not worthy and they know they're not worthy. So the spiritual lesson of this passage is humble yourself before God because God invites the poor and the needy to his table. Humble yourself before God. Why? Because God invites the poor and needy to his table. He invites the sick. Jesus came to heal the sick. He didn't come to heal those who thought they were well. And so here's a question for every one of us. Where is our confidence? Our assurance that we will one day be in the kingdom of God with Jesus. On what are we basing that confidence or assurance on? If it is in any way involving our own worthiness or works or deeds, then we have completely missed it. And like the Pharisees, we will be on the outside looking in. Our only confidence, our only assurance that we will be in the kingdom of God with Jesus is that Jesus said to us, when we were humbling ourselves before him, come up hither. Come up here and sit with me in the kingdom of God. It is because of what Jesus has done. It is because of his work, his merit, his call on our lives. Let me apply this to our our church and the way that we do evangelism and share the gospel. When we share the gospel and invite people to come, don't just invite the ones that are like us. Don't just invite the ones that we think, you know, they would make a good church candidate. They're a nice, cleaned up, you know, nice looking individual. Their life is in order. They would make a good church candidate they'd make a good church member they're they're like me they're like us we have a lot in common no he says that's what the pharisees do they invite their friends their neighbors their rich neighbors and that's who they invite but who does god invite god invites the poor the blind the lame where do we see ourselves at the kingdom table What if, what if someone had lived a life of disrepute? Someone had been a, a notorious rebel, thief, criminal, adulterer, whatever it is. And God does a work in that person's heart and they believe Christ and they become a Christian. Where do we think they belong in that U curve of the table. If we think we are, we deserve to be up here and they deserve to be down here. We've got the Pharisaic mindset in our minds because none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy. It doesn't matter if we have been a fairly, a good citizen obeying the law, a good employee Uh, you know, a faithful spouse, good parent, our whole lives. Yet if we reject Christ, we'll be on the outside looking in. Because it's not about worth. It's not about merit. It's not about what you have accomplished. It's about the grace of God. And so humble yourself before the grace of God, because he invites the poor and the needy to his table. May we remember who we are and that we were poor and needy when God invited us in. And may that also impact the way that we share the gospel with others and invite the poor and the needy to come in at the table of God. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the words of Jesus, for his challenging words, the way that he confronts our self-righteousness, the way that he confronts our pride. Father, I pray that you would humble us, humble us before you, cause us to see our desperate need of grace and of the cross of Christ. Humble us before others that we may not see ourselves as better or above others. Father, may we have your heart, the heart of Christ, in seeking the lost, the poor, the needy, because that's what you did for us. Help us to remember the grace that has been lavished on us so that then we might share that grace with others who are in need as well. Lord, continue to apply your word. May it continue to be in our hearts and minds as we leave this place. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.